Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 193 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Eyebrow number 193 is a rural town in Saskatchewan, Canada, with a population of less than 300. That's the most interesting thing I could find out about the number 193. But the show is going to be much more interesting and exciting. You have spoken in response to our Pink Skillers question of the day and told us which decade is the best for watch or was the best for watching table tennis. We're going to talk about an old Pink Skills video for Throwback Thursday. We'll have a quick chat about the up- upcoming US Nationals and answer questions about training balls, returning serve, and playing against a better opponent. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Good morning, Jeffrey. And what was it? What was the name of that town again? Eyebrow 193. Eyebrow 193. I'm sure it's very exciting for the people of Eyebrow 193. Exactly. Eyebrow number 193. And I'm no good at pronouncing this. Saskatchewan. It's such a cool uh, province mm. name in Canada. Yes, yes. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Um, I'm, if oh, dear, Alois, you are cutting out a little bit. If there, if there is, didn't quite get you. Are you going there or something? No, 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 but I'd love to visit. Yes. Oh, so if there are any people from Saskatchewan, eyebrow number 193, let us know. All right, Alois. Um, I don't have a little note here to click on, but did something happen on this day in history? Ah, uh, did indeed. So in 1979, uh, China was approved by the International Olympic Committee to be back into the Olympics. So um, very important day for table tennis, obviously. And uh, table tennis didn't start in the Olympics till 1988, but uh, that paved the way for all of those gold medals that China is now hauling in from the Olympics. There you go. All right. Very interesting. Now, um, let's go straight into yesterday's Pink Skillers question of the day because this is a fascinating topic, Alois. Uh, In which decade was table tennis most watchable? What did people say? Yes, and uh, people really have spoken and uh, the overwhelming majority said now. So we asked whether it was the 50s, 70s, 90s or now. And uh, let me see, Ankush, Mark, Shay, Jared, um, Rajdeep and a few others all said now. And uh, I think also, let me just have a quick look. Yes, Johan um, also said now. Um, A few other interesting um, uh, comments. So Trevor Hurth said in the 90s before the Chinese dominance began. Interesting. Um, Timmy said 90s, more speed back at that time, I think. Hmm, don't know about that. Um, Eugene, 1990s, all the legendary players are playing back then and the camera definition and definitely better than the 70s and the 50s. That is true. Philip Boyle, our friend, said, uh, and uh, this is no surprise, Sherbeck. Clampa, Yonya, Guo, Takashima, 70s. Such excellent long-range loop-to-loop rallies. Well, maybe not Takashima. Um, and, uh, yeah, so as I said, quite a few have said now. So uh, overwhelmingly, 
people think that the game of today is the most watchable. Interesting. That is interesting. And because, yeah, you still hear a lot of talk about, you know, ways to improve the watchability of table tennis, but it seems like people are happy with it. Well, especially the people that like it. Maybe it's trying to reach out to a new audience. But what? why do you think people thought now was the most uh, popular time or most watchable table tennis? Yeah, I think um, maybe just, uh, I think it's more more available now. So Sasha said the 1990s was unbelievable because of Waldner, but since social media has come along so much since uh, 2005, um, the ITTF and all the broadcasters, you know, um, especially now the ITTF has done tournament reviews and the DHS top 10 shots for each tournament. So that's why he says that this era is the best to watch. So, yeah. It's probably it's probably does have a lot to do with what's available now as well. You know, like in the in the seventies, we had some grainy old video, um, you know, on Super Super Eight or or not even Super Eight, eighteen eighteen mil or sixteen mil. I can't even remember what it was. Um, film. So you know, I mean, the the definition now is so much better. Um, the game is faster. Uh, there's a lot more spectacular rallies, and the rallies are lasting longer as well. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, but you know, I still don't mind watching the fifties and the seventies, and uh, you know that that nice uh, that nice control play either. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you everybody for letting us know. Great to hear your thoughts on that topic. And we have another Pink Skills question for today which is, what is your favourite table tennis photo? So, again, jump onto our Facebook page to let us know or to the Ping Skills blog at pingskills.com and let us know what is your favourite table tennis photo. And don't just let us know, put it up there. Yeah, post a photo. Love to see it. All right, Alois, let's take a look back because it is Thursday. So, for Throwback Thursday, what are we going to look at? Yep, so um, in this one, we're going to look at our uh, video on uh, the ready position after the pendulum serve. So um, it's it's quite a pertinent one because the, with the pendulum serve, you are off to the side of the table. So um, for a lot of your other serves, so for the backhand serve, you're, you're here, you're almost in the ready position, the tomahawk serve, you're there, the reverse tomahawk. But for the pendulum, because you are out to the side of the table, it's important that you get that next movement right. So it, the the important thing is that as you swing through with the serve, that you're also pivoting around and then getting into your ready position. So often we stand um, side onto the table, you know, with our legs almost like this. So as we, and even like that, so we often have our back leg. So my right leg here would be right back, that away. So it's important that you push off that as you're swinging through and you're getting into that ready position. So that's that's um, a really important part of um, executing the pendulum serve because if you execute the serve really well, but then you don't get into position for the next ball, then um, you're missing out on the real benefits. So So that movement is really, really important. Okay, gotcha. Now, one... Um, spoken advantage of the pendulum serve is that you're kind of already opening up your forehand 
So you're ready to play a lot of forehands. Does that come into it too much or would you just rather see people just get back into a standard ready position quickly? I, I think, you know, um, that was certainly the case, you know, a little while ago. Now with the with the more balanced um, play between the backhand and forehand, I think that's changed a little bit. So now, you know, getting into that more central position is is important. So you can play both the backhands and the forehands. Um, right. and I suppose the other, yeah. The other thing that we need to also consider when we're thinking about um, our ready position after the serve is your grip. So because you've got the altered grip for the serve, so you know, these th- three fingers are away from the handle, often players forget to get back to the standard shake hand grip after they make that uh, make the serve for the shake hand players. So remember as well, so not only moving into position with your body, but also getting your bat back into the standard shake hand grip as well. Great tips there, Alois. Um, We have a video on this, as I said, and so I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can check out the uh, video we've been talking about, which is the ready position after the pendulum serve. Okay, Alois. Um, let's talk about the U.S. Nationals. What is happening here? Yeah, so um, U.S. Nationals coming up pretty soon in uh, December, December the 14th to the 19th, and in Las Vegas, Nevada. So this is a huge event. I was just having a look at um, the events there. Um, I can see at least 94 different events that you can enter. Um, So there's everything from the hard bat, singles to the um, para class 11 singles to the under 2200 round robin to yeah to all sorts so so there's there really is an event for basically everyone there's the mini cadet boy singles um, and then there's the over 60s the yeah so um, so a huge huge event and uh, it'd be interesting to I haven't got the numbers on um, on entries for last year but uh, I imagine that it is quite a big event, and um, and it'll be interesting to just track the um, track the event this year um, from December the fourteenth to the nineteenth, and see who comes out on top in some of those events. Some of those ninety four events that I can see. Well, wow, that is a lot of events, Alice. We don't have tournaments of that uh, scale here in Australia. We tend to break them up into like junior tournaments, senior tournaments, veterans tournaments. And then the Nationals, um, for us, is pretty much just the top level. So just like the men's open singles and, and not all these other events. It's an interesting approach. Yeah, it is. And I guess, Alois, and, um, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Yep, yep, go on. I guess being such a big event, what better place to hold it than Las Vegas? Yes, and you, you have been there, haven't you, Jeffrey? I have been to Las Vegas, actually. I went and saw Jerry Seinfeld in Las Vegas. Okay, very recently. So uh, yes. yes, and he was a bit funnier than me and my Friday Funnies. Yeah, maybe we can get him on to do the Friday Funnies, Jeff. You know, like, got to do something. That's that tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so if you're going to the U.S. Nationals, let us know. Jump on to pingskills.com, click on the blog link, and leave a comment. We'd love to hear um, what you're entering and if you've been before and, you know, does it run smoothly with all these events? Let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. 
All right, Alois, let's get on to some questions. Avanav has got a good one. First up, he says, I am looking to buy balls for training with my robot. The three-star balls are quite expensive to buy in bulk. Is it okay to train with lower quality balls? Yeah, so Avanav, um, ideally, it would be great to train with three-star balls for everything, but the cost is prohibitive, like especially now as we're starting to think about plastic balls. Um, if you're trying to buy, you know, 100 plastic balls, you're up for a few hundred dollars. Um, so it's quite okay to train with the um, the training balls. There, I mean, there, there there are some good ones around now that are quite firm. The main thing to to look for is that they're reasonably firm, that they're, um, that, yeah, that the hardness is there. Um, some, of, some of the training balls or the, you know, the one stars and things, you just press in and they just almost squish. So that's going to give you a really different bounce. Um, if, if they're reasonably hard, that's okay. If they're not quite round, that's not so bad. Um, you know, like if you're getting slight variations, there's, there's not going to be huge variations um, in the, in the bounce of the ball with the, with the roundness. So just really think about, how hard the the ball is when you when you're training with the with the uh, trainer balls or the or the two star or the one star. There's some it, there are, there are some really good one star balls around as well. Um, I used to use the Yasaka training ball and they were quite good. Um, they were yeah, a celluloid ball, right? Yeah, they were a celluloid ball. So um, yeah, and and just yeah, I mean now with the plastic, I mean th- there are there are some reasonable ones around. I haven't really sourced them well. I was asking Brian Berry the other day, the great Brian Berry, about um, um, a few different options, and he has uh, sourced a couple. So um, yeah, we we just need to find something that's reasonable. If you've got some ideas as well, or if you've found some um, plastic training balls that you think are affordable and usable, uh, let us know as well on. Um, on the blog great excellent now that that talking about these plastic balls and the next question coming up is about patrick patrick francisca it ties together a couple of things for me alice there was a a recent uh podcast by table tennis daily with patrick francisca which is great uh we put a link to it on our facebook page so check out that table tennis daily's podcast if you haven't um but in there they asked Patrick about the plastic balls and it was interesting to hear him talk about it was hard because at different tournaments they'd use different types of plastic balls and some were softer and some were harder so it took a bit of adjustment to get used to but his overall feeling seemed to be pretty positive about the plastic ball that they are getting better and better and hopefully soon we'll have um, you know a bit more of a standard ball that will be used at all the tournaments so it does sound like it's getting better and hopefully cheaper too. I mean, part of the reason going to the plastic balls or part of the selling point was that it would be cheaper to make than the celluloid balls. So we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. Yeah, just um, um, on, on the on the point of keeping those ball the balls uh, more standard, I was talking to Trevor Perth, who's now on the um, the the para he's the president of the para players committee, and um, he was saying that there is a there's a really big push now um, to get some sort of standardization with the balls. You know, like the the biggest thing that the players are finding is that they're going to different tournaments. One's using seamless, one's using seamed, one's using one type of plastic and another type of plastic. Um, 
And so, I mean, it's almost a different game. It's like, um, yeah, they're playing different games when they go to each tournament. So um, they're just trying to get some sort of standardization with uh, the type of ball, at least, that they're using. So um, so hopefully that'll come in soon and uh, that'll, that'll um, quell a lot of the, the complaints uh, from the players. But as, as you said, I mean, the, the, the plastic ball is now being pretty well accepted. Um, it was interesting. He also talked talked about, uh, or he was asked by Table Tennis Daily, um, you know, has the plastic ball slowed the game down a lot and, you know, more stresses on the body and things? And he said, not really. He said, you know, he hasn't really seen that it slowed the game down that much at all. Yeah, he seemed to think that, uh, especially training with Ovcharov, that the ball was just getting faster and faster. <laughs> he said, Ovcharov's backhand keeps getting better and better every day, he said. <laughs> yep. So do yourself a favour and check out that podcast. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, plus it was on our Facebook page. Um, yeah, so I was going to say something else you mentioned about the plastic ball, but I've forgotten it, so it doesn't matter. If it comes back to me, I will let you know. So, yeah, the next question is from John, and he says, what type of technique should I use when playing against someone using Patrick Francisca's serve? Yeah, so he does he does the reverse serve a bit, and I think that's what you're talking about there. Um, Johnny, is, uh, he uses the reverse serve. So if he's using the reverse serve to you and you're a right-hander, firstly, it depends on where he's serving the ball to. So if it's coming to your forehand and it's coming short, then what you want to do is get yourself nice and close to the ball, close to the table, and push that ball or flick that ball as well. Um if the serve is coming long, though, I mean, it's like everything. If the serve's long, you just need to get in there and make the top spin. Watch the curve on the ball. Um, that's really important because that the reverse serve will, will always have a bit of side spin on it. It's almost impossible to do a straight backspin um, reverse serve. So, so it'll always have a bit of side spin. You need to be watching the curve of that ball and tracking it really well to be able to counter that side spin as well. So, yeah. Um, give those things a go, John. Just, yeah, the short serve, get in and push. Long serve, make sure you're getting in there and top spinning. Yeah, good advice. And I think it's important these days, Alloys, to be able to get a lot of practice against both uh, types of serve, one that swings into you and one that swings away from you because people are so good at doing both those serves these days that you really need to get practice against both those different side spin serves. Yep. And on the on the flip side, if you're serving, think about utilizing the, the the spin going both ways and finding which one that your opponent doesn't like because that's that's really important. So I mean, I could, my my best serve is my pendulum serve, but I find you know against some players they're so good at serve. Even if I do a junk tomahawk serve or a junk um, reverse serve, it gives them much more. Of a problem. Remember, there was one. Um, there was one player. I think Jeff used to play against him as well. Peng Hui Kwok had an unbelievable return off the off the pendulum serve and and the tomahawk serve and everything. And it was just strange. It was just this one serve, the backhand serve, and it didn't matter how bad it was. Um, he had he had problems with it. Um, ha- having said that, he also won the Australian Championships. Um, in the year that I was serving those backhand serves to him, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was a real difference between 
the the pendulum serve and the backhand serve in his ability to return. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So if you're thinking about serving, why not try out uh, two different serves? So maybe like the pendulum and the reverse that curve different ways just gives you more options against your opponents. And if you want to um, improve your service, check out the Ping Skills Premium Membership because we've got a whole course on serving secrets, plus heaps more. Check it out at pingskills.com. All right, Alice. What I was going to say about the varying uh, plastic balls is that in tennis they have varying surfaces. So they go to Wimbledon, and then they, which is on grass, and they go to Paris, which is on clay, and then they've got the hard court. So it's, it's almost like three different things. Maybe we should set up the tournaments to say, hey, this is the soft plastic ball and this is the hard plastic ball. Yeah, maybe. And I, I was thinking of that as I was, I was speaking about it. But, um, yeah, is it different? Like they've got – I mean, they almost have different seasons, don't they? They have the, the, the hard court season and the clay court season. Um, so it's quite different and different times. And, you know, players will then, after the – um, after the French Open, we'll go and start to train on the grass uh, in preparation for Wimbledon. And then after that, they go and train on the hard court. So, mm, yeah. Mm, but where, yeah. Where, is, where is these guys? These guys are, are playing one tournament one week with and the next one with a with a seamed hard, harder ball. So, yeah, maybe that's a bit different. Maybe it is. But uh, Wimbledon and the French Open are only a couple of weeks apart. Um, but, yeah, yeah you're right. Point. I think it is different. We should standardise the balls. I'm all for that. Um, yeah, make them good, make them better, and make them cheaper. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up is a question from Matt who says, I'm hoping you can give me advice with a match I have coming up. Two of the players are defenders who will only chop and push, but I struggle against this, especially as one of them plays with a kind of hard bat and one plays with regular inverted yeah. So, Matt, um, playing against a defender, firstly, is difficult because we just don't get an opportunity to play against a lot of them. So that's the first thing. Um, if you can find a good defender, they are worth their weight in gold. Grab them, train with them as much as you possibly can. All right. Now, now that you're going to train with them, how are we going to beat them? So a couple of couple of strategies that are really important one with your serve is serving the ball quite short and uh, on the table often when we have the defensive player we think okay beauty they're back there we're just going to serve uh, long they're going to chop top spinning but that's exactly um, likes they like just being able to sit back here be ready and get straight into their chopping the thing that they do not like is being close to the table and then having a ball blasted at them. So that's what you're aiming to do. Keep them close, keep the service short, keep the push short, and then when they give you an opportunity, play strong and fast to them. The other um, important strategy against the defender is where you're placing the ball. So um, here and here, like, like against everyone basically, is really simple. But for the defender, the middle position is much more difficult so especially when you're playing the faster attacking stroke that first ball into the middle can be really effective so so think about those couple of simple strategies um, against the defender so serving short keeping them close and then playing the fast one into the middle 
Yeah, great tips, Alois. Now, um, is there going to be any difference with the player using the hard bat versus the one using the inverted rubber? Yeah, so the hard bat player isn't going to be able to generate as much spin as um, as the person with the inverted. So um, their spin is going to be basically determined by what you're doing. So in that situation, don't give them too much spin if you don't want too much spin back. So push the ball a little bit um, softer. Um, the other thing is with the hard bat, they're probably not going to have a very strong attack. So you've got a little bit more... Um, leeway to play with as far as when you push you don't have to make it so as tight because you you don't need to worry about their attacking shot as much perhaps um whereas with the with the inverted rubber player they can get more variation with their with their chops because they can generate the spin themselves um and also they may have um a better attacking stroke as well so yeah so a couple of differences there yeah, interesting, because here um, Matt has said that they both really only, you know, push and chop, so it doesn't sound like they're yep. overly aggressive. So I guess yep. that buys you some time to wait for a good ball to attack. But on the other hand, if you if you just get into a pushing rally where they're in a nice, comfortable position, they might be ready for your attack. So like you said, it's kind of a bit of a balance. If you can get a good short serve and a good first attack early, that combination is going to be really difficult. Um, but, yeah, you've got to balance that up with waiting for a good ball for you to attack. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, you know, we, we often worry about the defender, you know, changing their spin between the backspin and the no spin and that sort of thing. But also think about making sure that you are varying the the spin that you're putting on the ball, the spin and the speed of your top spin. So don't just top spin the ball the same speed and same spin to them. You can... Um, get errors out of them by slowing one up and playing one faster as well. So, and putting, you know, a heavier spin sometimes and less spin um, another time. Great. Excellent. All right. Thanks for the question, Matt, and good luck with your upcoming matches. Let us know how you go. Um, that wraps up show 193. Make sure you check out pingskills.com, sign up for a free account, and you'll get access to all our strokes and techniques lessons, plus our free email newsletter. And if you're interested in getting even better, check out our premium membership. We've got lots of videos, even on match strategy. We've got one against playing against defenders. So I'll stick that in the show notes for our premium members to look at. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. Thanks for watching. And thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey. And we'll see you tomorrow. And, guys, tomorrow is Friday. Friday funnies. Please, if you've got some ideas, can you put them on our Facebook page? Jeff needs some help. I certainly do. Thanks, everyone. See you tomorrow.